Have you ever been on a Zoom and noticed someone roll their eyes? Or maybe it was a subtle nose flare. Maybe they never turned their camera on at all. Now, you may think, this is just someone who's frustrated or a bad employee maybe, but what if it was something else? And what if you could do something about it? That's what we're talking about today on this episode of the Spitfire Podcast. It's not going to be pretty, but you need to hear it so that we can make real change behind the camera, in front of the camera, and everything in between. Today we're talking about resentments in the office, in business, in leadership, and what we can do about it to resolve them. I am really excited about today's show, and that may seem confusing. You know, why are you excited about talking about resentment, Lauren? That's so weird. Well, I think that it is the key to employees being happier, companies being more successful, having more productivity and profitability, helping people really like get excited about the work that they're doing. I think it would increase people's mental health. Uh, I think that it would create better environments at home uh, with families and with interactions between people. Now, why do I say that? Well, we think of trauma in a weird way in this country. We kind of look at it as trauma is what other people experience. Trauma happens when something really bad happens. You know, it's when someone goes to war or it's when someone's abused or when someone is in a high conflict situation where maybe they don't have uh, access to food, maybe they have poverty. But we don't think about it when it comes to our employers. And I've kind of been scratching the surface on this in my quest of being a coach and working with hundreds of, of different employees around the world. And the same themes kept coming up. This idea of trauma related to past toxic work environments. So we kind of have this, this idea of like, well, you got to pay your dues, you got to suck it up. But what is that actually doing to us? How is that shaping the way that we view ourselves and the way that we do work, the way that we view our colleagues, the way that we view our supervisors, the way that we actually view our work product? What I noticed is all of these past experiences of compounded employee trauma is what is leading to imposter syndrome, lack of confidence, distraction, uh, not putting themselves forward for promotion, an unclear career path, not taking risks, not speaking up when something doesn't feel right. It's really is what is holding back our leadership, our organizations, our teams, our employees. Now, why does this happen? Well, with any trauma, it's sustained. There is an experience that happens that becomes an imprint in our memory. And when we have an adverse reaction to it, it attaches these really strong feelings, these really strong emotions that start to write a story. It starts to look for patterns and it imprints that pattern within us. So when we have something bad happen, we start to categorize these are all the things that happened within this bad experience. So I don't want that to happen again and I'm gonna look for it in the future. Our brain is actually now looking and, and surveying where are those risks and threats, where are those landmines coming up. And so what ends up happening is we're looking over our shoulder forward and backward, trying to assess the risks, trying to mitigate them, trying to manage them. But what it prevents us from doing is being present. It prevents us from showing up in our unique talent and our unique expertise. 
It prevents us from speaking up because we are so worried that we're going to say the wrong thing, that we're going to be judged, that we're going to be fired, that we're going to step into a colossal mistake uh, where people are going to laugh at us. And I know this very well because I was in a toxic situation, not once, but twice back to back. I went from one really chaotic work environment that I was in for four years into another one that I thought was more stable and would be better that ended up being so demeaning uh, that I questioned what I was doing. I questioned who I was. And it wasn't until I got certified as a coach that I realized, oh, it's not me. It's this culture. It's the people that are in this culture that are perpetuating it. And I always say to my clients, when there is chaos and conflict, you have to look at who is benefiting from this. Who benefits from people feeling disenfranchised, without power, without control? And this, this is very much intentional. From the times that people started working in factories, you had companies who wanted their employees to be compliant, who wanted employees not to think for themselves, but to follow the rules, to do what they said so that they could have profits over people. And the problem is that a lot of the leadership books that were developed, that were inspired by this, are in mainstream. You have a lot of white male voices that are perpetuating these myths of the happy employee does X, Y, and Z, it checks the boxes, here's how you influence people, here's how you get your way. But the reality is, that's not how you get big ideas. That's not how you move the needle forward. If you don't have a trust-based culture, if you don't create that safe space for your employees to be themselves, they will never show up as themselves. So there was a whole movement a couple years ago about how to bring your whole self to work. Well, how you do that is by creating an environment first, and that's on the, on the employer side. So you had, so you had a culture of people saying, yes, we want all your great ideas, but we don't want to have to change. We're just going to put some ping pong tables up and, you know, you get to have a casual Friday and wear jeans. But there was nothing that really shifted the root of the conversation or the root and the foundation of the culture. There was still a command and control situation there. So this is an opportunity to look at, hmm, does this environment actually work for me or am I putting myself in a situation where I'm tolerating systematic control and abuse. If any time someone has made you feel small or stupid, who has told you, you know, stay in your lane, kid, don't speak up, you know, you need to learn how to say no without saying no, or, you know, you're kind of ruffling feathers, or your idea was dumb. That has actually been said to me. Um, only to have the same person go and steal my idea and take credit, but that's a whole other story. You have to look at who benefits from this. And where we get ourselves into trouble is when we weave our own story into the toxic story, into the abusive story. You know, if you have ever been in an abusive relationship longer than you wanted to be, there were probably a lot of things that happened that you tolerated. That now looking back, you're like, why did I do that? Well, when you hope that things are going to be better, you tolerate things. You are, you are in the hope and cope phase of it when things aren't working out. And then you may go to the next phase where you start to change things about yourself to adapt to the culture only to realize that it doesn't work because you are not that person. 
you know, I can't tell you how many times I tried to put the, the team player hat on in this toxic work environment only to like get violently ill a few weeks later because I was so out of alignment because I didn't believe in what they were doing. And, you know, you have to have these moments of pause and reflection to ask yourself, what is good for me? What is right for me? Because this environment ain't good. So if it is you, if you are kind of the 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 pot stir or the shit stir if you will it's usually because you're out of alignment if you're playing into the drama spreading the rumor if you are consistently venting on the phone with your coworkers and colleagues or sending snarky remarks uh, by text message what's going on with you are you in an environment that's working for you or are you tolerating something because you have decided this is the only job I can get and I will tell you there is a movement now to not tolerate this because employers are seeing how destructive this just going along with non-performing employees is getting. So you're not doing anyone any favors by showing up and not giving it your all and not being your best and not, and not really being collaborative. If you're bringing your snark, you are impacting everyone around you. It doesn't matter if you do it in a funny meme or if you do it in a text message, the energy is the same. So let's talk about where this comes from. Well, when we feel out of control, when we feel powerless, it drops our energy level into one of two areas. We either feel like we're the victim of, of the circumstance, of all of the things outside of us, and so we go into full-on self-protection mode. We, you know, literally shut it down and we hide. We might miss a lot of work. Uh, we might avoid conversations, we might avoid uh, those performance reviews that we have to do, and we might hope that it just goes away. But it doesn't. It always comes back and people are watching. And the other area is this, I have to be right, my way is the right way. So you feel this emboldened, you know, I'm going to be the martyr, I'm going to be the justice seeker. And what ends up happening is you become the lightning rod and the target. So even if you didn't start it, if you are actively engaging in this complaining, blaming, shaming, and you're not part of the solution, you are lumped in as a problem. So it's coming from a place of this isn't right, but it's not being channeled into something that you can move forward. And this is where you can better see, is it me or is it the environment? Is the environment activating this part of me because I'm not in a good place? Am I in the right spot? Am I in the right role? And so those are really key places to start with. If you are feeling like you lack power and control, why? When did that change? At what point in your career did you feel like you lost control? When did you feel like your power went away? Those are the keys where you can start to work with a third party like a coach or a mentor to start to strategize, you know, is this something that can be fixed or is this just not a right fit? I was, I was talking to one of my uh, clients who's in hiring, and I said, you know, there aren't any bad employees. There are just misfits. Not misfits like M-I-S-F-I-T, but misfits. Like, it's not a good fit for either one. So why are we pretending like it's going to work out when this is the, it's, it's just not going to happen? So they're actually looking at placing people in different roles. But if there is a full-on culture conflict, like if people... If people benefit, if here's a great point, if employees benefit from the chaos and confusion, that is really important to look at because 
when there is organization, when the dust settles, you can actually see, are people performing? And more often than not, all of their energy is going to stirring the pot, the pot and creating this distraction so that people can't see what's happening. And one of two things will happen. When the dust settles, when you, when you don't play into the story and you actually say, hey, we have a performance issue, like what's going on here, they can either perpetuate the story and continue to mudsling or it might be a wake-up call. Now, the majority of them will not have that wake-up call. It's just what happens when stuck energy is there. Uh, it probably won't be until they get uh, you know, help from therapy or from a coach or somebody else to help them really sort it out because they are so in deep with this story. It's, it becomes their identity. But what it does is it takes you, the, the supervisor, the boss, the HR rep, from really like getting in deep of like, oh my God, the injustice. If we don't have facts to go on, then we are, we are hooked into the story and we're on an emotional roller coaster just swirling around like, Wee, what, wait, what? Where am I? I came in with this objective and this intention and now I'm over here in, in La La Land where I have no idea how we got here. So it's sorting out like, where is this coming from? Like, if the, if the company is dysfunctional, we know that, but by being part of that company you are playing into the dysfunction. So the question is, what can you actually influence if the environment is toxic? I have uh, an ebook on my website that uh, I was part of where I said, you can have as much influence as you want as a leader until the environment crushes it. So the environment can either foster and support and say, yes, this is awesome when you're in alignment, or it can say, oh, hell no, and it will smack you down. So you have to look at what is your intention, what is your range of influence, and how much is it worth it, worth for you. There is a cost for everything, so this whole idea of golden handcuffs is such a myth. Even if you are making $500,000, if, you, if your job is to kill puppies, there is a cost on your psyche and your soul. You are paying something out. You probably aren't sleeping. Like, that's a horrible example, but you know what I mean. If you are doing something that is out of alignment of your core values, it is going to impact your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your relationships, everything. So the question is, what is it really worth to you? Is that paycheck of that amount worth your happiness? I've worked with so many people who, who made the switch where they actually took a, a slight pay cut, but their life is so much better because they're not under this stress of getting their resentments activated. They're, they're no longer worrying and dreading, is today going to be the day that I get fired? So let's talk about how this is actually showing up with the resentments and, and how you can, number one, be aware that it's a resentment, and number two, how you can look to retell the story, reframe it, and release the energy and the tide that it has in there. Uh, some of you may know that I am certified in a process called resentment release, and it is amazing for the corporate space, and it's actually a new offering for my clients and for uh, new clients that are coming in to do resentment release processes with teams. Because what I realized is that everybody, everybody has some form of trauma related to working. Whether it's a stressful commute, 
or a bad boss or a pain in the butt employee or a colleague who, you know, went behind your back and sabotaged you. We all have some story, unless you have been self-employed. And honestly, you probably have more being self-employed because you have seen it with your clients and your customers and, you know, things gone awry. We all have memories of things that didn't work. And this is where resentments come from. When things don't work for us, when we have a risk, when we have a threat, when we have a disaster, our brain is saying, remember this because we don't want this to happen again. But we have to realize where it gets stored. Was that situation that happened earth shattering? Is it going to ruin your life? Or is it just something like, oh, that was a pain in the butt? The problem is, is when we're stressed, everything feels like it's, it's earth ending, like it's, it's apocalyptic. It's like, oh man, Mary Sue asked me for that damn form again. Rah! And it has nothing to do with her. It probably had something to do with something that happened to you 10 years ago from someone else who ratted you out for not having a form in and, and wanting to get you fired. I don't know what the story is. Honestly, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we need to separate the facts of what happened compared to what happened in the past. And in the resentment release process, we work through a series of questions to help you dig into those hooks. But it's first understanding at what level is this impacting you? Is this an annoyance? Is this something that's frustrating? Or is this deep-seated rage? The deep-seated rage stuff I've noticed usually attaches itself to some sort of family dynamic from when you were a child. So there may be some space there to actually get into therapy on that. I've noticed with me, I've gotten into therapy lately and it has been amazing to help clear up some familial ties to my own working resentments that pop up. And it's been great to have this two-pronged coaching with therapy approach. Um, and that, that can come up. And actually a coach's job is to recommend someone to therapy if it's beyond the realm of coaching. Um, that is an important thing to note. Um, but understand where is this showing up and how long is this impacting you? So if this is something that's just kind of a blip, like, you know, you get an email in from this person, you're like, here we go. It's George again. Great. Or is it a frustration where you're like gnawing on it for like more than 15 minutes? Like, oh, I just don't want to respond to him. Like he's so annoying. Ugh. Um, that's an annoyed frustration. If it's beyond that of like, F George, F his wife, F his kids, F his mother who's been deceased for 20 years, I hate him so much. Like really, what has one person done to you that you spend that much time? And in fact, you could probably take this home with you and be seething about it because whatever you think George did. It's not to say like you're not, you're not able to feel things, but it's saying, what if this is real? And what is the story that you've told yourself about this? So in the process, we sort out the four different dimensions from mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, because guess what? They all matter, especially in the working world. If we are only in our mental dimension, we are not accessing creativity and productivity and problem solving in every other realm. It's, it kind of debilitates us. It's like using two fingers out of 10. It's kind of hard to do. Although, you know, my pointer finger and my thumb are pretty productive. Um, but it's just looking at that of like, where in your life, where in your working world, has thing, have things not gone right that you have now stored in the back of your head that don't 
create resolution, but actually create more problems for you. It's something to think about because this is where team dynamics fall down. It's where employer-employee relationships fall down. It's where your clients are probably not going to come back uh, if they've ever had an experience with someone like this. Um, you have to resolve it because just forgetting it or quote-unquote getting over it doesn't work. All that's doing is stockpiling in the basement of your memories, and it's just waiting for another memory to open the floodgates to let it come back in. This is why this work is really important, because number one, it works. It allows people to let go of their past hurt, but not just let go of it. It allows them to take the things that worked for them. It allows them to process it and to to really recognize their resilience and the gifts that their past has given them. And it allows people to have more vulnerable and honest conversations, which people are afraid of. Now, I don't recommend you as a manager doing this with your employees because uh, it is a huge boundary cross, but I do recommend seeking someone out third party. Hey, I'm available. You should, you should get in touch with me. This is not a sales pitch, but this is why having someone outside of HR, outside of a supervisor role, outside of a mentor role, you should not have anyone who has influence over future plans or trajectory within the company. You want to have someone who's outside who is unbiased and has a code of conduct that they are referencing and are responsible and accountable for. That's what the ICF code of ethics is. You want to be able to have a safe space for people to let their guard down because guess what? That does not exist in the corporate world. As much as you think that you are, you are a chill and super open manager, there are things that your employees are not telling you. And if they are, you know, why? These things are not usually shared because there is a lot of story attached to it. And if people are sharing this, it's usually to stir the pot again. So you have to look at where, where am I actively, you know, engaging this drama stirring and where can I bring in outside resources to assist in the delayering of the storytelling, the delayering of the trauma. It's a thought. It works. It's not easy, but it is so worth it. The teams that have gone through this process are so much better at communicating. They have open conversations of, hey, you know, this kind of bothered me. Instead of, oh, I can't believe Joe Schmo did this, blah, 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 blah. There isn't that back chatter happening because they don't have the same emotional ties to it. They can be professionals. They can be adults. And they can make real change happen. So if you are interested in this, I actually am doing an 11-week course starting the week after Election Day for all of those uh, hangovers. We are going through personal growth in, that, in two different weeks where we're going to have the resentment release process incorporated. So you're going to have self-awareness with professional growth. So you're going to allow all of that gnawing baggage that's been bugging you just to let it go. You're going to have somewhere to put it so that you can actually put goal setting in place. You can start creating action plans and building your, your board of directors and your, your posse of awesomeness to help launch you forward. It takes a village, and I'm going to help you build that village. We're going to get there together. 
and you don't need to do this alone. So if you are interested in that, you can head over to spitfireleader.com. It is an ICF approved CCE course, which is freaking awesome. And uh, I'm also doing some strategic roundtables coming up. So if you're interested in any of that, head on over to spitfirecoach.com. And if you're not already subscribed, you should subscribe to this podcast because it's pretty great too. I hope this was helpful. This is probably the longest episode that I've recorded in a while, but you know what? I wanted to say it, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or you have other things you want to talk about, feel free to shoot me an email, lauren at spitfirecoach.com, and you guys keep being awesome.